is Junto, the engineer's perspective. I'm here with my good friends Matt Burgess and Dave Stewart. I'm Corbin Buckler. Today we're going to talk about the drought in the western United States. So sit back, crack open a cold one, let's get going. Get into the drought in the western United States. Is that going to be our intro? He also uh, bitched about our intro or like I w- their lack of. We just got went straight into it. We just went straight into it. It's more of an intro than the first episode. <laughs> it's all about the incremental improvement. <laughs> That's why I told her. I'm just like, there are like five shittier episodes that we have not put out there. <laughs> <laughs> Those go behind the paywall. <laughs> yeah. Hey, join our Patreon to listen to our five uh, pre, uh, pre-recorded episodes from the early days. Yeah, I, I don't really know how to intro these topics. You know, can you? Do you think you could use like um, news blips, like from YouTube or something? Like, you know, if we're talking about the drought in the in the Western United States, and they we throw, you know, there's like you know, ten to twenty seconds of like news blips I, of like the Colorado rivers, you know, forty percent full, blah blah blah. I think. Uh, I, I heard something about this like last year. It's like news over the wire is fair game. So like routers, routers, yeah, is is fair game. But like, like your local ABC syndicate may not be uh, news. That how would I even Google that? Is that might be something to play around with? Yeah, that could be fun, but actually take some editing skills which we may or may not possess. I don't know. I've been getting some little quick keys on Audacity going on. Damn, it hasn't been too bad. Are you going to get one of those uh, weird, like, uh, little uh, programmable keyboards? Have you seen those that, like, the streamers have? Just get some pre, pre-programmed keys going? No, but I got, I've got the uh, the Red Dragon, so I've got, like, oh, whoa. 12 hotkeys that I could get going. Damn. What is the Red Dragon? It's, it's like a gamer's mouse, <laughs> mice, whatever. So you can program these twelve li- like little macros. I used it in AutoCAD yeah. a lot. Um, nice. You know, cut, copy, paste, blah blah blah. Yeah. So I might get a, and you can have like, I think there's five different settings you can have on it. So I could have an Audacity setting. <laughs> right. Anyways, th- those are all. Good. That's a good idea for I think later on. I mean, that was a great intro. So we've covered what we're going to talk about and this surprise widget that's called a dragonfly. We should also put a link in an Amazon store for a dragonfly. <laughs> dragonfly, yes. if you're listening out there, send us some free mice <laughs> and the sponsorship. No, no, just sponsor us. <laughs> for all no 10 of our doing. listeners. <laughs> hey, you'll be more efficient after using it. Um. So, so, should I ask you what it, what is a drought, Corbin? Oh, um, well, basic, very basically, it's just the absence of water. But a more, you know, longer-winded answer: it's a uh, prolonged period with less than average rainfall or snow amounts in a particular region. And right now, the United the the Western United States. <clears throat> I think according to which source you look at about 90 percent of it is currently in a drought in different you know it could be like a mega drought yeah some will call it that's last that started since like 2000 and uh you know when we say the west what are you know that's kind of a broad term and specifically it's looking at it's about 20 percent of the po- u.s population in like California, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, really a lot of states that are dependent on the Colorado River mm-hmm. um, for their uh, water. Um, the West has, you know, they have some of the driest states in the country, the ones I mentioned. And then compared to, you know, we're in the Midwest, mm-hmm. some of the states that get the most rainfall like Hawaii, Louisiana, Mm -hmm. Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida. 
So you, is Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida, is that? I mean, they're on the Gulf, but is it because of hurricanes or just because they're on the Gulf? Oh, I don't know why they, I mean. Yeah. I, I have no clue. It's gotta be both. Yeah. Combination. <clears throat> I was trying to focus on the West. I was just trying to give a reference because, you know, we're, you know, three guys talking talking about dr- drought in the mid or out in the west yeah and we're in the, we're in the midwest where flooding is more of a problem than lack of water yeah i think oh, if you're in in the midwest i mean you hear about it on the news but you can kind of be disconnected from it still right i think i went to like california in 2013 and like all their fountains were off i was like why are all the fountains off there's like oh we're in a drought and i was like okay it's recycled water <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so you get it yeah so you know we talk about it and you got to think like it's it's affecting people there way worse than we can probably imagine yeah but it'll have trickle down effects to everyone across the country right right and things probably you know things have to happen there to to manage that because droughts you know i mean it's um it's a natural phenomenon mm-hmm. you know it's mother nature it's, it's kind of it's kind of mother nature meets you know man man-made problems climate change um it's you know it's a super complex problem mm-hmm. um and there's as as i was like researching it more it just leads to more and more things and it's just not uh um I don't know. There's no easy solution. Yeah, it's not straightforward. It's, it's like, just, oh, all you got to do is, you know, recycle your cans of pop and everything will be okay. Right. You got to. Yeah, it's, it's large, more nuanced. systematic things that we aren't in control of or I don't want to say have a full understanding of. I mean, weather, weather predictions come a long way, but there's still, you know, year to year, you don't really know. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think in a long, in a long term time frame, you know, right now we're the the West is in a major drought, but you know, maybe twenty years from now, there could be there could be something different. It, it it could be out of it, you know. Yeah, and it's not just like one magical rainfall is gonna is gonna solve. Yeah, it. yeah, they can have one rainy season and be okay. Because I I think like didn't California get better for like. Not better, but like they had a little more rain twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. But like right. they're they're still they're still well within a drought. Right. Yeah, I was looking at like some drought history. Yeah. And uh the worst one, I guess, in modern times was the thirties Dust Bowl from nineteen twenty eight to nineteen forty two. How how is it defined as worst is it just like most economic impact or like truly driest i don't know well i i think it was so going into the types of drought that's like the the there's kind of different stages Mm -hmm. and that hit i mean the dust bowl i mean that was you know the great depression yeah um that hit all the way to socioeconomic problems you know yeah we all had to read east east to eden getting in their jalopies going out west yeah you know farms were affected and and things like that so that was that was really a trickle down effect because you know so let's talk about the different like stages or types of drought Mm -hmm. meteor media meteorological which are dry weather patterns in an area so you could say the West is experiencing that now. Actually, I think the upper Midwest had this um, dry weather patterns. I think we've kind of been coming out of them here recently. But even the Midwest is not just in, – in the Midwest, you know, it's kind of broad. It can be like, you know, eastern Kansas and Iowa and all that. So yeah, it's a pretty wide area. Yeah, Midwest for, really can be. Um, so the Midwest can still experience it. Um, then the second kind of stage is – Hydro, hydrological, which is a low water supply, mm-hmm. which becomes evident in like streams, reservoirs, and groundwater. And mm-hmm. you could say, and that's definitely happening because if there's all sorts of news articles about the Colorado River, which we'll kind of get into a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, so drought is causing, you know, 
less water to get into the Colorado River, which feeds to, you know, 20% of the population in the uh, southwest. And then agricultural is the, the third step. Mm-hmm. And that's where actually like crops get affected. Mm-hmm. And that you could say that's, I would, I'd say that's happening now. Um, to what effect, I don't really know. Um, you get different um, depending on the, the source and still um, data still coming out because we're still not fully into the harvest season yet for different, some crops are and some, you know, corn and, mm-hmm. and stuff are still kind of, they got time before they get harvested. Mm-hmm. So that's still kind of like in process right now, I guess you could say. And then it's like socioeconomic. It's like now when you say like something happened in the West and now maybe, and maybe this is happening too now because there's all sorts of crazy supply chain issues today, but where the supply and demand of the commodities are affected by lack of water to, for the fields or whatever, or livestock. So I, I would say that the socioeconomic for today, I don't really know. And I can't really find a good source of, yeah, yeah, all that's kind of convoluted right now with the pandemic, too. Right. So yeah. it, it's hard to sort out the the signal from the noise there. Right. That's why, you know, super complex. Yeah. Other things that affect it that aren't just drought and climate change or whatever. And I'm sure somebody will look back in 10 years and, you know, point their finger at it because, you know, hindsight's 2020 and said we should have done this. But so right. how how do scientists understand, you know, the history of drought as how how would they define it or track it? I think today's day and age is satellite imagery mm-hmm. data, historical satellite mm-hmm. imagery. Um, they also use like the thickness of tree rings mm-hmm. of either trees that are cut down or you, they can actually like core in a sample and look and, at a, and analyze it. What's that? That's the uh, the xylem. Is that the xylem of a tree? Am I remembering my freshman? high school biology uh, correctly i don't know i think i, I think that's the tissue in between that that forms the rings sounds right sounds right but, but it's just the thickness if it's if it's a bigger thickness that yeah. means the tree had plenty of water and yeah. had a good growing right. season if it's thinner you know well you know uh struggling side note you know uh like stradivari violins cellos all that jazz they're like yeah million dollar violins like nobody knows why they sound so beautiful and can't be reproduced one of the theories is that like Italy in that region was going through like a little ice age. It was cooler for like 50 years or something. So the trees grew slower. So they think that like the wood might be like slightly denser or something. Right. But some, somehow nobody's been able to prove that. I don't understand, but <clears throat> they're ice. <laughs> they're ice, they're ice violins. <gasps> oh man. We never noticed. We never took them in a warm place. Italy's best ice. <laughs> uh, so after you said that, something came to mind. I don't know if this is related to the violin wood, but wasn't there another something else where they f- the the logs that they used to ma- I don't know if it's the violin or something else. The logs they used to manufacture whatever this was, they actually had to float it down like a river or a stream or something, and they think that might have also caused a little bit of the, the specialness to the... I don't know. I think that I think that just plays into that they don't really know, and it could be a variety of right. factors. Yes. Yeah. Okay, but don't done with that side note. Yeah, I don't. I I I'm wondering if some of the stuff that I was reading about, if like if we were like civil engineers, we would have learned about some of this. Ah, civil engineers don't know anything. They just play in the dirt. <laughs> All right, we lost our one follower. One <laughs> no, he was a civil, <laughs> or she, or they. Yeah. Um, but you just kind of think about like what, you know, water, the water like cycle. Yeah. Kind of how it pertains to the West, you know, the cop, the color, you know, the Rockies you've got in the wintertime snowpack, you know, lots of, lots of snowfalls. You got the snowpack. It can vary year to year, you know, higher snowpack, lower snowpack. California has got snowpack as well in the Sierra Nevada's. And then, you know, as it, as it melts in the springtime, it runs off along the mountain and it, you know, goes into the, like the Colorado river and all its tributaries and temperatures, you know, higher temperatures can affect, um, that water, you know, evaporating, 
before it even gets, you know, to the, the, the Colorado river that can affect, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of downstream, uh, things, um, the soil, how dry the soil is from like the previous year, you know, say, you know, the drought just keeps continuing, mm-hmm. then soil gets drier and drier. It can take in more water that's melting off the mountain. So that also prevents it from getting into the, the river. Um, so it's, I don't know, there's just like so many things that could be happening that prevent the water that's like on some Rocky Mountain peak that eventually may get into, you know, Southern California Mm -hmm. and water their almond crop or whatever. They probably don't even grow almonds there, but whatever. You get the point. It's, it's so, yeah, like a, like a butterfly effect situation. We don't need civils for this. This is just a a material balance. N equals out. Right. And the accumulation factor and we're using too much out. Right. Uh, where do I want to go next? So I got a I got a nice little map here. I saw the notes. So like some of the, like the big talking points when they they you see like in news articles, the Colorado River. It's mm-hmm. at like forty percent of its total capacity mm-hmm. is what they're uh what they're saying right now. Um the two main lakes that they talk about you've got lake powell mm-hmm. which is as you're thinking like as you're as water's coming from the colorado mountains and it eventually empties into um the gulf of california in mexico which i think some years it doesn't even empty there yeah like it's just yeah there's th- nothing i think there. most years it just like is like a trickle and every once in a while they'll get like a little stream so yeah so sorry like, mexico all the water, so like there, the, all the water is accounted for, and I and there's, oh, I'm gonna, there, there's a, a Colorado Pact, and there's a, a a more technical name for it, and I don't know what it is offhand, but they basically allocate the Colorado River water to all the you know the different states, Nevada, Arizona, California, so et cetera. Does Colorado make money off of that? I think they're part of it. They're part of the pact. Uh huh. Um, and they, we don't know. <laughs> we don't yeah, know. we don't. Yeah, we don't know if they. <laughs> I, I think it might be a federal thing, actually. Like, I don't think anybody so technically they're... owns the Colorado River, but I think it's like the first. There's, I think they're with the Colorado River rights. I think there's, um, you know, people that are like grandfathered in, like mm-hmm. the the first people to have rights, and I think they're still, you know, I mean, think about it. If you're, you know, you're a farm in Colorado and you have access to the Colorado River, you're they've probably had, you know, their fa- yeah. family farms been for like for... three to four generations. Yeah. And now, you know, all these people are moving to Arizona and, um, you know, they're maybe the first generation in Arizona. They might have less rights to the water, but I think it's starting to equal out and trying to balance all these different interests. And that's a, I think that's a complicated subject all in itself. Um, but the, but the one thing I did see, let's get into the, Freaking Colorado River. So they so just recently, August sixteenth, the Bureau of Reclamation declared a water shortage in the Colorado River. So that's made a whole bunch of headlines. Um it's really gonna affect Arizona farmers mm-hmm. a lot. They're gonna take like an eighteen percent reduction in uh, next year. Cause that's cause then cause you know, you've got drought, basically lack of water. What uses a lot of water? Agriculture is where like 80% of water is used. You know, it's not just, you know, flushing your toilet and drinking water and stuff. It's really an agriculture. Yeah. Yeah. Tons, you know, majority of the water is being used for. So you just, you just go from, you know, one problem to the next. You just got to see what the, the biggest users are, right? So Arizona, you know, one of the driest states in, in the country yet they are the second largest grower of cantaloupe, lettuce, spinach, citrus, tree fruit, nuts, desert durum, desert durum which I don't even know what that is. And they're getting, you know, they're going to be getting less water to uh to irrigate those crops cuz you got to irrigate it. You know, in the Midwest, you can right. you natural rainfall. Or some places just natural <clears throat> rainfall would be fine. Right. 
but you know, here they, they actually have to irrigate it. So we're just kind of, you know, we're just moving the needle, you know, okay, we got less water, but we got water in this area. We need to move it onto this field and, you know, we pump it and irrigate it, you know, sprinkler irrigation. Um, so we, we've, we've definitely adapted, but is that the right long-term solution? Well, that's a solution that satisfied the cash needs that day. Right. Never look back. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's also interesting to note that like all those are crops that are not grown in the Midwest. So obviously it needs some kind of like high heat, high moisture. I, I looked up Durham. I, th- yeah. I think it's wheat or a kind of wheat. Just hide them. Yeah. Sit- so citrus I get that's, you know, yeah. that can't see freezing temperatures. Cantaloupe. I'm not sure. No, I can't look at lettuce and spinach. You, I mean, you could grow that here. I mean, but they probably grow at 365. That's true. So that's probably yeah. where you're getting your, your winter spinach from is, you know, Arizona, California, Mexico. Right. So I think I had another. Okay. So further down here, I had some of the most um, water intensive crops. Mm-hmm. I still need to work on this unit of measure. I wasn't fully understanding that, but uh, the ranking, I think, is what's more important. The So number one was pasture. Mm-hmm. So that's just to raise, you know, livestock. Second, almonds and pistachios. And I'm pretty sure California is one of the largest almond producers. So those two don't make sense. Yeah, fully. those don't drive. Third is alfalfa. Fourth, citrus and subtropical fruits. Five is sugar beets. Six, other deciduous fruit trees like apples, walnuts, cherries, peaches, those types of things. So like number 10 is vineyards. So that's good for California. They're not as water intensive. Yeah, except they're all burning down. Right. (laughs) So where were we at? We were on the Colorado River. (laughs) Um. So, like, is there anything being done to to deal with this? I mean, we know California is placing restrictions. Sounds like Arizona, you said 18%. Is is there anything that can be done systematically to conserve water that's worth a shit? Uh, I I mean, I think, yeah, I... I don't know if they're being like forced to do any. I think they're just, yeah, they're trying to figure out ways to conserve water. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, some of the different ways, you know, rethink your lawns. Like, do you need a green lawn? I don't know. I've never been to Arizona to know if they actually, you know, if all the sub suburbs you drive through, like everybody has a nice green lawn. I, I, have you guys been to Arizona? Like a a standard, like middle class, blue collar neighborhood. It's more of like a a rockscape. Yeah. Right. My grandparents lived in California, or not California, uh, in Arizona for a minute with all the other old people. And uh, you're right. They had a rockscape with uh, some cactuses. Right. Uh, But they also did have a, was it a, I think it was an orange tree in their backyard, citrus tree. I'd have a citrus tree too. Yeah, it would be pretty sweet. Um, are there water prices going up? Like, are are people being incentivized to conserve water? I mean, I assume they got to be going up a little. Yeah, I, I don't know that offhand. Um, I but see, it would make sense if it was. I see you have uh, not rinsing dishes before putting a dishwasher. Man, that's that's a habit I I don't know if I could break. I do not trust dishwashers. Right. That's pretty common. No, you know, nobody trusts dishwashers to get that gunk off. Because they never do, man. They never do. And you know, right. you, it's the least rewarding thing when you unload a dishwasher and you find a bunch of dirty dishes in there they have to take out and scrub off. You're just like, well, what do I do with this now? Like, do I rewash it? It's like, yeah, well, it goes back in. No, oh, man. It's like, <clears throat> okay, uh, wife isn't around. Just wipe that off, put that in. But if she's around, I'm going to have to rewash <laughs> it in the dishwasher and double wash it. <laughs> and then you save no water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, drip irrigation seems like a big one. I don't, I don't 
I haven't been out west to to know, you know, what their how, how agricultural practices are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Idaho, from what I've seen, they use a lot of um, sprinkler irrigation still, mm-hmm. um, and they're just That's taking all... they're taking back the desert in Idaho. You can see it when you fly over. You just see these circles because they're um, pivot. They're yeah. pivot irrigation. Yeah. Um. So that I mean that's that's not as um, efficient as doing drip, but drip is you know a lot more. It's like on a plant plant by plant yeah basis. I was just trying to for our garden just try to figure out how to do drip irrigation (laughs) because you gotta your plants you know you think your plants will change positions every year so like how do you? I'm I'm sure there's ways to do it, but people are figuring that out. Yeah. What were we gonna say, Dave? Oh, that uh, drip irrigation is much more capital intensive. Right. Whereas like the rotary systems are obviously cheaper and um, pretty prevalent. Like you said, in Idaho and the majority of the Midwest, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, they're all just blasting hoses. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more technology that are going into it as well, like soil moisture sensors and, I think, yeah, drip irrigation has a lot more types of, you know, technology associated with it. So it's just like getting, you know, farmers who are probably trying to, you know, do the cheap. Because, you know, farming is not the most lucrative business to go into. It's, you know, I big think farming, man, pretty, <laughs> pretty low margin. So they're, they're not trying to go all, you know, technical to, because they may not have the money to do it. So yeah. other, other ways, like, you know, the, you know, the, Reusing water, reusing wastewater, desalination. Desalination yeah. in Arizona may not make the mo- most sense considering it's not by closest yeah. to an ocean. Although, you know, if they did, you know, if they talked with Mexico, maybe they could do something, you know, across the the Gulf of California. But even then, I mean, that's still got to be a trek. Yeah, yeah, just pumping water that far. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's complicated because then, because the col, you know, you you're talking about the Colorado River, which is surface water, which mm-hmm. is the easiest water that you can access. You could pull from to use for any purpose you want. Next, the next level is going to be groundwater. Mm-hmm. You know, like a well pulling from an aquifer or something, um, and then the. The most difficult is going to be desalination, pulling from the ocean, yeah. running it through a process, and and making it potable. Yeah. So that's kind of like that's like the end all. Yeah, the last if, stand when right. humanity's on the break and we need our almonds from California. Yeah. Yeah. So I. Um. Is that yeah. So dealing with it. Yeah, you're just you're just dealing with the drought. Not really solving your problem you just gotta you just gotta to survive it um i was i want to get into like some some of the other things that are happening out west um effects you know wildfire fires that's a big yeah you know, everyone's big heard. topic um i was just kind of looking into that a little bit you know the 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 largest uh wildfire was actually last august 2020 um, was the largest wildfire recorded in California. Yeah, I was going to say that's when like all the news reels were California on fire and the sky (laughs) was on fire. Yeah. And then I guess currently there are two wildfires, Dixie, and that's the second largest in California history. Mm -hmm. Currently going today in Caldor, which is the 15th largest. So the Dixie Fire, it's burned basically 820,000 acres. It says it's 49% contained. This is according to the National Interagency Coordination Center's latest report. And then the Caldor Fire, 200,000 acres, 18% contained. Yeah, I mean, they're so large that like even the smoke's rolling into the Midwest periodically. There was uh, one night I was out in Cincinnati and like it was a full moon, but like the moon was like red. Like I literally took a photo of them. I was like, what? It, like 
if this were like 500 years ago, like you would assume the the world is ending, but you're like, oh no, it is ending just slowly. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know. Like, there's this is just such like a broad topic, and we can go down so many avenues. Uh, part of the issue, or part of the resolution, has to be like fire control and fire management some point right like you have to enact control burns as a resolution to all of this you can't keep going forward just relying on mother nature or lack thereof of mother nature because clearly that system is not working either in these time periods right yeah uh, yeah like have clear lanes so like a fire has a place to stop right maybe rethink building a cabin up on a mountainside (laughs) yeah yeah it's like anything else that we've already covered it's like very multifaceted right like because as you approach like the the border towns between oregon and california like okay is oregon managing this or is california or like where does my jurisdiction end there's a lot of gray areas unfortunately yeah a lot of political interests Right. Yeah. As soon as money's involved, it's all over. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of, you kind of would wish it'd be something. So like, you know, Israel, I think I've said this in the past, but Israel is, um, they're, they're like kind of a, uh, a model that other companies that are struggling with water should like, um, emulate that. Like, I think California has, I think they've gotten, um, IDE Technologies is a, a big Israeli um, water company. They like specialize in building extremely large desalination plants. So Israel has actually, they've just have built the desalination plants and have actually started to like replenish like rivers and streams because one, they are, you know, they're right on the ocean. So it's, and they don't, and their country's not as large, so they can pump the water pretty easily. But they've used that resource of desalination to help kind of build up all these other things, you know, replenish reservoirs and stuff, and have greenery in places where it may not make sense. But now they've got a good water cycle going. They're not just depleting sur- easy surface water yeah. and groundwater. They're actually they're taking the ocean, which has the greatest abundance of water and using that to help replenish the other things. So I, I feel like there's, there's gotta be something there that we could use, but it's just, we we're dealing on such larger scale, yeah, more population and also larger area. Like, you know, I don't really know that the, the width of Israel versus the width of California, but to get that over to like Nevada or Arizona, is that feasible? I don't know. And probably the incentives are just, a lot higher in Israel too, right? I mean, like we can still sit, you know, and, and wish and hope that, you know, things will get better. Whereas like Israel isn't really surrounded by, you know, some buddies that are willing to send them water. They don't really have a choice. Yeah. It's survival. For yeah. Them. Yeah. And it, yeah. Maybe eventually for us, but it's not necessarily to that point right now. And everyone right. will hem-haw around like everyone does on any engineering project for the longest time until, you know, it finally truly hits the fan. There's like, oh, well, maybe we should do something about this now. Yeah. Yeah. I I saw your note about, uh, what was it? Cattle? Beef? For every one pound of beef, what was it, like 1,800 gallons of water? Yeah, that was just kind of a one-off source. I I, I need to double check that a couple places. Okay, but well, maybe maybe not a perfect number, or perfectly backed up, but but this is the one reason I can kind of get behind not eating red meat or or beef, or at least reducing it, because from like an engineering standpoint, you can clearly walk back like how much you need to raise a cow compared to right. just being a vegetarian or even just eating chicken or fish, you know, and like eating cows is like awful for the environment. Cause they just require a shit ton of room 
in a bunch of water and they crap all over the place. Like, I'm not going to say they're not delicious, but like, it's a very convincing argument to me. If somebody is a vegetarian, they tell me that I go, okay. If they tell me it's cruelty, I'm just like, okay, too. But like, I don't, I don't feel that way about the cruelty, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Cows, yeah. Cows are not as efficient of turning whatever you give them, feed water into usable meat. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to like, um, smaller, like hogs or chickens. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, 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 they take the most resources. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely I definitely get behind that too, but the steaks are so tasty. Yeah, they, they really are, but like at the end of the day, like if you truly make people pay the true cost of water, will, will steaks go up proportionally? Yeah, I mean, I... I I think as we sit here, even if it's against like what we've been raised since we were born and, you know, our parents and their parents' parents, you know, it's like we're going to have steak, you know. Yeah. Steak and potatoes. Yeah. But, you know, a hundred years from now, they're probably going to say we're crazy for what we're, you know, well, maybe a couple hundred years. I don't know. (laughs) It just, yeah, like the, like the, it just doesn't, some of it just doesn't. Yeah. the, The math doesn't add up, but it's really ingrained in the American culture, you know. Yeah. Meat and potato sort of yeah, thing right. every every meal it'd be interesting you, you, i mean you could we could probably rough some numbers with like um like do it kind of like this be like a a macro f- food resource model with like what the population is going to grow at and you know what percentage of the population are you know uh omnivores versus yeah Oh, I I, gar- I guarantee somebody's already done that. At- yeah, and just like, you know, cows would need you know like two point five Earths. Yeah, to feed the population in twenty seventy or something. But like, if you were if you were going to Mars and trying to sustain a population, you wouldn't bring cattle. Right. Like, if if you're trying to be lean, you'd be eating like, I don't know, some weird pea-based protein or something. You know, some some plant-based protein to maintain or. Or, you know, some cell cultured protein, if it ever gets to that. Right. But you're just not, we're just not going to make that change overnight. No. And we'll, we'll probably be the generation that's stuck in our ways and still demanding our stakes. But, you know, everyone's got to fuck the next generation somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the stat that I saw where a cow can produce up to 120 pounds of manure a day, that's that's a freaking lot. That's almost my body weight, man. Yeah, and they, um, and you know, if they get them in those confined, op- you know, they they call them the CAFOs, confined animal feeding operation. Mm-hmm. Those, like, depending on how many animals are in it or how many cows or whatever. You can smell them for miles. Yeah, those those, like, produce, like, the same amount of waste as like a, a city, you know, maybe a small mid-sized yeah. city, depending on how big they are. But that's a lot. That's a, that's a big problem to deal with. I, I don't, it's hard to imagine. But if you, if you're driving up on 65, uh, from Indy to Chicago, uh, what exit is it? It's like exit, like two twenty is Fair Oak farms. If the wind's blowing the yep. right way, You'll smell cow shit for like ten miles. Mm. You're just like, this is awful. Yeah, that's like one of Indiana's like nice like tour like a dairy farm. Yeah, it's a little tour. touristy uh, dairy farm where you you take kids and they get a, a thing of ice cream. Yeah. So com complex problem, no clear solution. So how do we profit it, from it, Corbin? <laughs> well uh i mean you could invest in companies that deal with water yeah now whether those will be profitable i think that's still to be determined maybe at least for me personally maybe the money's already been made yeah because i I wrote about one company uh consolidated water Uh uh-huh and i've just lost a little bit of money on that so far so oh that's still TBD. <laughs> so you're still holding out, but 
Yeah. Yeah. I I was I was uh I was listening or watching a YouTube video. I think Brian Feraldi, he's like he's been blowing up on YouTube and whatnot recently, investing. And he was talking about technologies where you know, there are technologies where, you know, everybody or investors or customers or whoever are going to win. And then there are some where, you know, it's a booming technology and it's getting, it's getting exponentially better, but investors aren't going to win. So like solar technology. Yeah. I was, I was about to say green technologies, like across yeah. the board, like there'll probably be one winner out of there, but like the rest are probably going to be, you know, turds. Yeah. So, and I'm, I, I'm on the, I don't know at this point, but water companies potentially might be in a similar boat because, because you're dealing with, you know, municipalities, governments. Um, I mean, it's already in the U S pretty, those are a lot of public, uh, uh, services that are provided, you know, public employees. Um, there's a company that I've been looking at recently, H2O innovation, they're a Canadian company. And they're trying to compete with like the Veolia, Suez. Those are the like the IDE are the big water players in the world. Like you know, they're built. If if Saudi Arabia or somebody needs to build a new desalination plant, they're calling like Veolia or IDE Technologies. So they're kind of a H two O Innovations is like a smaller player in that, and they're just trying to. They're and they're growing, but they're you know they're having to deal with you know municipalities that they're. H2O Innovations is trying to operate their plant or, or wants to get in there. And it's just super hard to get in there because, you know, they've got some city employee that's running it. And why would they change? Right. Or why would they upgrade their technology if it's working fine? We've been pulling from the river and running it through, you know, some filters and blah, 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 treating it. And why would we need to do this or that? Yeah. So it's just. It's not. I think it's. There's not like. I mean, there's pressure, but there's not like, you know, the place is going to blow next week. It's like, you know, this might be an issue in 10 years. So right. there's not, there's not as much of a sense of an urgency as they're just kick the can. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone does. Right. <laughs> right. And I mean, I'm even personally doing it, you know, we're on a well here <laughs> after doing, after doing You're this, the after problem. Doing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm sprinkler sprinkler irrigating the garden uh and i you know i have it like changed so but we're in the midwest we're all right yeah we have plenty of water we get shit on for everything else the one thing we got is water baby come at us we got five great lakes to draw from we do i was reading i was i was looking into that a little more uh have you heard of of waukesha so waukesha wisconsin they, oh yeah, I know it. Have you have you heard about that? Yeah, it's on the way up north. Yeah, they so they had their groundwater contaminated with radium. And so they had to switch to pulling water from Lake Michigan. <laughs> and I guess there's so the Great Lakes and like the there's like a, a Great Lakes uh compact of anyone who's in the basin so you know there's like wisconsin michigan illinois and i think like was it ontario and in superior superior well what's the uh i don't know what the canadian province that's west of ontario there's like two canadian provinces it's canadian (laughs) if it's not on alberta or ontario like what else is there (laughs) it's something like quebec there's it's French. Quebec and Vancouver, but like eighty not eighty, maybe like seventy percent of Canada's population lives within like a hundred miles of the St. Lawrence. Oh right, everyone lives by that sweet water. But let's see. Well, anyways, so this the 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 Great Lakes Compact they actually allowed Waukesha to pull water from Lake Michigan as long as they repl- they they basically replace whatever they took, and that was like outside the compact, which I don't fully get because they're in wisconsin but they're not part of the i guess the counties that are adjoining what do you replace it with well they probably got to treat it and then send it they do a rain dance and call it good yeah like you can't (laughs) send the bad groundwater obviously well no you you would 
from like the wastewater plant, you would treat right. it to a point where you could discharge it into like a instead of a river, they'd Lake Michigan. Right. Out. Actually, I think Lake Lake Michigan, not really fully related to droughts, has been varying a lot in uh, water height. Like I think within the last ten years, it's been both at its highest and lowest points in like the past sixty years. Because actually, it screwed over Chicago a couple years ago. Because uh, the Chicago River, they reverse the flow of it, so they flow all right. their shit to the Mississippi. But when that gets too full, and you know the Chicago River is about to flood most of Chicago because Chicago is built in the lowland area, of course. Because why not? We'll just build it up another story. That's why there's a lower whacker, and you're just like, "What the fuck's a lower whacker?" And you're just like, "Oh no, there's a there's an area below this." You're just like, "What? Where? What, what is going on?" I digress. But uh, they so like the the river was rising. There's like we got to flow it back to Lake Michigan, but like Lake Michigan was so high that they couldn't, and uh, parts of Chicago flooded. Yep. Yeah. Same happened here on the. Lake St. Clair yeah. about the same time. That was just so high and there was nowhere for it to go. Yeah. There's like, well, I guess some people would have some basement damage. Right, because that's the eerie side. Yeah, there's there's some you just reminded me, man, of talking about Lower Wacker. Uh there's a new Netflix uh movie. it's about like memories, and I, I fell asleep halfway through, but <laughs> uh it was actually pretty good. I was just I was just tired. Um <laughs> The uh, it was showing like I think it was Miami, and it was basically like if you know climate change did its thing, and you know the oceans rose, you know, yeah, tens of feet or whatever, and so yeah, the first floor of all these buildings were <laughs> um, basically underwater, and then you had you know a new level that you're working from, so yeah, be yeah, all right. We'll work it out. Build some more levees. What could go wrong? Yeah, so I don't know. Who, investing in in water technology companies, I think TBD. The technology, the technologies will be needed, but which company will uh, pro- right. profit? It's the is, horse to bet on. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's there is so many rabbit holes you could go down here. Yeah, there are. I was I was looking at some. There's some elephant butt reservoir in New Mexico is currently six percent full, and in the past year, its max been it has been eleven percent full. I mean, that's just basically zero. Yeah, empty. Yeah, <laughs> it's effectively <laughs> zero. zero. <laughs> You're just praying you get to the gas station in time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Average American uses 80 to 100 gallons per day of water. Man. It's mostly flushing. I mean, if you take like a 30-minute shower, what's that, like 50 50 gallons right there? Maybe more. Yeah, get yourself one of those uh, water saver heads. Yeah, exactly. Itemize the water. But like, (laughs) should a lot of these western cities not even exist the way they do? Were they were they ever going to be sustainable? Like a city like Phoenix. Oh yeah, you're getting into like the existential. Yeah. Sh- should they even exist? Yeah. Exist in the current form. I mean, it's in- the Sun Belt's just interesting because you see a boom right after air conditioning was invented, and the Sun Belt has grown ever since. Yeah. I don't know. That's a tough. That's a tough one. Got gotta love that sunshine. Yeah. Yeah, the Midwest doesn't have much going for it. It's got water. We got water and lots. Doesn't of have it. doesn't have views. But <laughs> doesn't it's have got a... plenty of views. <laughs> <laughs> of cornfields. It's the third coast. <laughs> the only thing we got is uh, tornadoes, but you know, chances of that hitting you are pretty low. We don't have earthquakes. Don't have earthquakes, don't have hurricanes. No hurricanes. And no wildfires. No wildfires. Because we have controlled we... burns. <laughs> I don't think the Midwest we... has controlled burns. I think we just have a lot of what? rain. No, we have controlled burns in like Kansas and stuff like that, the high prairies. Yeah, I think farmers do. Yeah. They experience more drought than we do, I think, 
further east. This, yeah. this is where I mean, the yeah. Midwest is just too broad of a term. Right. Yeah, you get like Kansas, uh, and South Dakota, and is um. I'm thinking of what are the two cities in Pennsylvania? Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, and, and Philadelphia Philly. that are across the. Is state. Pittsburgh a Midwest city? Pittsburgh votes. Or is it P- Eastern? Pittsburgh votes like a Midwest city, so yeah, I'd call Pittsburgh a. Oh man, we're gonna have zero followers. I know. <laughs> I would definitely. <laughs> think... I would call them, but like the way they function. Is... They, they all think they're East Coast, but they're like an hour from Ohio. Are they still? They're Rust Belt. Yeah, they are definitely. Oh, for they sure. Are definitely. If you've been to like, if I were imagining a Rust Belt city, like I'd imagine Pittsburgh. Like it just, it just feels rusty when you walk through it. <laughs> Sorry, Pittsburgh. You probably got some rust on you. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's just like an old river city that was known for right. steel back in the day. The river's probably been on fire once or twice. Yeah, I mean, it's just like Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. Well, with that, now that we've pissed off some more people. <laughs> Is there you know, any other city we can call up. out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at a map here. Yeah, I'd say Pittsburgh's in the Midwest. Yeah, but from Philly, you can get a train to D.C. So, like, that's an East Coast city. I mean, yeah, Philly's definitely. an East Coast city for sure. They're they're literally. And up. then there's just a bunch of Amish between the two of them. Yeah. Have you ever Have you ever met someone from Central PA? They call it Central PA. No. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll piss off that whole group. I don't want you guys listening to us. You stay off of here. It hurts to laugh. <laughs> Cue the outro. Yeah. Yep. Roll it. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll be back with you next time. Damn.